I'd like to begin this talk and there will be some time for um, for us to hear from you as well with question and answer and community exchange at the end of the talk before our evening closes. So I'd like to begin by expressing my gratitude to Diane, to Ileana, and to Jesse at Spirit Rock for making this possible and for inviting me. I'm really delighted to be here. And I was having a lot of feelings when I saw the um, the the slide and the image of the inside of the Spirit Rock Community Meditation Center that Ileana had put up for us. And it looks so warm, it looks so inviting, and it's been a long time since I've been there and uh, for many people as well. So hopefully there will be a point at which we can um, return if we have the ability to do so and enjoy being in that meditation hall and other spaces at Spirit Rock and be on the land together. And I'm happy to be here with you in this virtual community space. This talk is titled, and it's a quote, may I be a protector to those without protection. I'm going to begin with an invitation to, for you to take a moment of quiet, non-judgmental reflection and contemplation. So this, this means whatever this is for you is exactly right, it's, it's good. When you hear the word refuge, what comes to your mind? When you hear the word protection, what comes to your mind? Be open to comfortable enough body sensations, images, words, sounds, there may even be smells. You can use all of your senses to understand for you in this moment. What is your understanding of the word refuge and the word protection? Thank you for your investigation. I'll begin again by saying that my name is Mushim Patricia Ikeda pronouns are she, her and hers. I am on the occupied land of the Lishan people, L-I-S-J-A-N, otherwise known as Oakland, California in the United States. And I've been living in Oakland for 30 years. And um, my adult child who lives with me went through the Oakland Public Schools, kindergarten through 12. I was a volunteer in the Oakland Public Schools for 11 of those years. And so we're, we're pretty, I'd say we're pretty deeply embedded in the Oakland community. We're proud to be in Oakland. We love Oakland. And I am a core teacher at the East Bay Meditation Center 
located in downtown Oakland. If our doors were open, which they're not due to the pandemic, we're online like almost everyone else I know. And um, this is our 16th year of operation. So there have been a fair number of years when our doors were physically opened. East Bay Meditation Center is a meditation center that was specifically founded to serve communities that have been historically excluded. Ileana has posted our URL, eastbaymeditation.org in the chat. And you are very, very welcome to come to our website and to see what our programs and offerings are. We have many. And we hope that there's something that might serve your purposes and that might interest you and um, that you'll make us one of your spiritual homes. So we were founded to serve Black Indigenous people of color, members of the LGBTQIA Two-Spirit community, our alphabet Sangha. We were founded to serve people with disabilities, chronic illness, chronic pain, differences and limitations of any sort. And of course, we're open to all as well. We're based in Buddhist practices and also some other wisdom and in indigenous uh, wisdom traditions. And we have deep roots in our commitment to access and to radical inclusivity. So what that means, I, I think that the word radical has been greatly overused. It's become a buzzword. And for us, it's meaningful in the sense of we're constantly committed to trying to work the edges of, of um, opening ourselves to more and more people who are attracted to our mission, our vision, and our programs, and to working the edges of discomfort and where we're, um, we're currently limited. That's, that's our commitment. So we're always a little bit uncomfortable, <laughs> and that's OK. That's our learning edge. That's our growing edge. And perhaps some of you are familiar with us. We have many, many teachers and um, yeah, we try to, to um, welcome as many people as possible. You'll notice that I'm modeling and trying my best in the meditation and in this talk to embody practices of radical inclusion and inclusivity. And as a teacher, it's been my good fortune to be invited and to be called upon, interestingly enough, by several Asian art museums since the pandemic started to lead mindfulness meditation for people with disabilities who have been attracted to these art museums and to the art from Buddhist Asia and who have then thought, well, what? Huh, look at all these figures of this Buddha person or Bodhisattva people and what are they doing? Like, some of them are in meditation posture. I wonder if there's something there for me. 
So the museums are serving the people by offering online programs of meditation and trying to make them as accessible as possible to people of very different abilities because there is a disability justice movement that's sweeping across at least the United States, maybe North America, maybe even farther, that's saying, hey, art museums, can you make yourselves more accessible to people with disabilities? This is a process I've been delighted to be invited into. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm sure I'm making mistakes, and I'm dedicated to learn and grow. So therefore, again, this is Mushim, and I'm wearing a white long-sleeved blouse with a brown a Buddhist. This is a ceremonial bib garment called a rakasu in the Japanese uh, Buddhist tradition. It's called a kasa in my lineage, which is the Korean Buddhist tradition. I have on some uh, wooden Buddhist beads. And I have medium length white hair and I wear glasses. I invite you to now begin with me, if you like, and you completely have the right to participate or not, a practice of recitation in order to incline the heart mind toward our theme this evening, refuge and protection. Those of you who self-identify as Buddhists and have been exposed to, I won't say Buddhism, because many scholars will say there is no such thing as one unified Buddhism. It is a global faith tradition, and so it may be more accurate to say there are many Buddhisms. Many people in these many Buddhisms do a practice which is called going for refuge. And in it, we um, declare our commitment and our desire to seek refuge, protection, safety, and what are called the three jewels or the triple gem. The Buddha, and that stands for awakened teachers. We can think of them in any, any spiritual tradition. In the Dharma, we can think of it broadly as any teachings of wisdom and compassion. We also go for safety and protection to the third jewel, the Sangha. This is you and me, the community of mindful practitioners of wisdom and compassion. Always imperfect, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. Sometimes it's called the community of mindful harmony. Once again, always imperfect, we're doing our best. And then I'll invite us to do a practice of one of my very favorite texts, which is a selection of verses by the great teacher, the great eighth century teacher in India, Shanti Deva. S-H-A-N-T-I, Shanti Deva, D-E-V-A. And I'll talk more about that when we get there. So when we do things as a practice, the invitation is not to 
sit around and kind of think about it so much as to just do it as an experience. You don't actually have to believe anything in terms of the words. Just kind of do it, do it, and just give it a try. Try it on and see if, if you have a, have a little experience or a larger experience. Be open to surprise. The three refuges. If you like, repeat after me. I go for refuge to Buddha. To Buddha, I go for refuge. I go for refuge to the awakened being in me. I go for refuge now to Dharma. To Dharma, I go for refuge, safety, and protection. I go for refuge to wisdom and compassion in me, in each of us, there are elements of wisdom and of compassion. And we can, we can go for safety to those in ourselves, as well as to our teachers, our mentors, our friends and the wisdom and compassion that's available to us in the world. I go for refuge to Sangha. To Sangha, I go for refuge. I go for refuge to the community of mindful harmony inside me. There's a song that I like. You can probably find it on YouTube. It's by the wonderful uh, musical artist named Keb, K-E-B, Mo, M-O. And in it, he sings, if you're feeling like dust on an empty shelf, just remember, you can love yourself. So for those of us who've now taken refuge, we've gone for refuge. I'll mark this practice by inviting the bell of mindfulness. And of course, the open question is, on a daily basis, where do you go for refuge, safety, and protection? Extremely important, and even more so during this period of global pandemic, and widespread feelings of non-safety. Now shifting gears, if you like, to 
one of my favorite all-time texts. This is this is one of my heart texts as a Buddhist practitioner in the great northern tradition of Buddhism called the Mahayana, M-A-H-A-Y-N-A. That translates as the great vehicle or the great way. This is again from Shanti Deva, a famous Buddhist master in India in the eighth century. And it's from a larger work, which is a classic called the Bodhicharyavatra. That's B-O-D-H-I-C-A-R-Y-A-V-A-T-A-R-A, translated as a guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life. Some of you may be familiar with the tradition of the Bodhisattva. My particular Buddhist vows are in this tradition, and they're called Bodhisattva vows and precepts. I received them along with my Buddhist name. I became Mushing in May of 1983 in the Zen Buddhist Temple of Toronto. I'm a citizen of the United States, and so I was helping to actually build the daughter temple in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We were just starting up and we went to our, our mother temple in Toronto, Canada to receive vows and precepts, a group of us. This is a much loved text in Tibetan Buddhism. So just lean back, uh, let it wash over you, give it a try. If you'd like to say the words aloud, always a good idea. Again, this is not something that you have to believe or it's not anything that's it's you can just do it kind of experimentally. See how you feel. May I be a protector to those without protection. A leader. For those who journey. And a boat, a bridge, a passage. for those desiring the further shore. The further shore in Buddhist symbolism means the place, um, the state of non-suffering, of liberation from fear and anxiety and anger. May the pain of every living creature be completely cleared away. Yeah, if you like, just say it. I mean, how does that feel in your heart? May the pain of every living creature be completely cleared away. And if anger or irritation is arising, probably completely natural, Notice, just notice that, it's kind of interesting. May I be the doctor in the medicine? And may I be the nurse for all sick beings in the world until everyone is healed. Just like space, and the great elements such as earth. 
May I always support a life of all the boundless creatures. And until they pass away from pain, may I also be the source of life for all the realms of varied beings that reach unto the ends of space. That's a lot of beings. Thank you for the practice. And this is a text that uh, I will always take with me and I've memorized it as well. If I am called to the bedside of someone who is dying or perhaps someone has recently died and I'm requested by the family to come in and be of a support. So I will ask the family or um, the person or the people who are there, would you like me to offer this text? It's sometimes called Shanti Deva's Prayer. And really what it is, it's a selection of verses from this larger work called the Bodhicharya Vatra. We are historical and political beings. According to the conventional calendar, today is July 12th in the year 2021, year two of the global COVID-19 pandemic. I invite you to take a moment and reflect back on your journey, your memory of your journey. Since in this area, March 2020, when we the shelter in place order was enacted, I believe on March 16th, or whatever timestamp is for your region, when you went into lockdown. And when for all of us, I would venture to say everything changed. Massive, massive changes. At that time, who were your protectors? Who were your, prote your trusted leaders? When Shanti Deva says, may I be a boat, a bridge, a passage, he's referring to a ferry boat. That's the image of the ferry boat. Who and what helped you to ferry you over the stormy seas of fear, aversion, desire, overwhelm, political turmoil, pandemic brain confusion. What was your ferry boats 
Who were your ferry boats, your bridges? How have you made the passage since that time to this very moment? Our ferry boats can be close at hand and they don't necessarily need to be that pleasant. As I mentioned to you, I share this very small apartment in Oakland with my adult child who has been raised as a Buddhist. And a year ago in the fall of 2020, a lot of California, the state in which I'm living was burning up with wildfires, making the air completely unbreathable. Both of us living in this household are very chemically sensitive, and so we have high quality air filters. In that way, we were so fortunate, and it just felt terrible to know that we couldn't open the windows and um, let in any fresh air. It was also a time that started since the beginning of the pandemic when I was quite aware I read the news every morning, New York Times, Washington Post, The Guardian, and other news sources. And I was very aware that Asian American women my age, I'm 67, uh, were being attacked on the streets of cities in the United States. And so really, I just felt terrible. And I began to complain and say, this is terrible, this is terrible. What are we going to do? This is just unacceptable as though I could control it. And I was working myself up into a fit of collapse. And my adult child who was listening to me cut me short and he said, accept it. This is now our life. And then he turned and he walked away into his own room and shut the door. And because we love each other very much, I thought, oh, right, thank you. True enough. I can't waste my energy into saying, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. What can be done about it? I mean, I don't have the power to make the air breathable if the smoke is in the air. And so accepting it doesn't mean liking it. And it doesn't mean not looking for a remedy. Accepting it at that moment meant I needed to live in the reality of the moment and acknowledge, yes, this is now my life. What will I do with this precious human life? This life is a gift for me. What am I going to do? Most recently, as undoubtedly we all know, there have been um, heat wave conditions with triple digit temperatures, heat related deaths, and most recently reported the death of quote unquote millions of shellfish, mussels, oysters, clams, gooey ducks off of the upper northwest coast of the United States and into Canada. And they literally cooked in the overheated ocean. Researchers also tell us that for human communities, 
the most injuries and the greatest burden and suffering fall on those with the least power and privilege. Considering all of this as people of compassion, searching for wisdom. Let us again, if you like, ask ourselves, what in this moment is refuge? Where is refuge? Where is safety and protection here and now? What can I do to help myself, my family, and my community? Specifically, I'm inviting all of us to consider how in my communities, your communities, can I and we offer more access to more people? Desiring Dharma practices and teachings. So yes, let us do what we can and give what we can and share what we can and inquire into what is the wise way to offer refuge to others in many, many different spheres. And bringing it close to home. I'm assuming we all have communities. And so I'm inviting us to consider how can we offer more access to more people to members of the deaf community, the blind community, neurodivergent persons, people with mobility issues, people with chronic fatigue and pain, anyone who might like to be part of my communities, our communities, for whom there might be barriers. This is a really wonderful investigation. As I take refuge, and whatever I'm taking refuge in, can I also make refuge for others? So it's it can be seen as a movement in two parts, taking refuge, making refuge. After all, I can only take refuge in where I find safety and protection because others have made refuge for me. So for me, I consider how can I now pay it forward. As it says in the Karaniya, K-A-R-A-N-I-Y-A, Metta, M-E-T-T-A, Sutta, S-U-T-T-A, or Sutra. It's said to be the historical Buddhist teaching on the practice of unconditional loving kindness. It says, as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, we could say as a parent or guardian protects with their life, their only child. So with a boundless heart, I will love and protect all living beings. That's what we've heard the Buddha said. And in the text I've called Shanti Deva's prayer, there's a verse I've been meditating on for several years now. Just like space and the great elements such as earth, may I always support the life of all the boundless creatures. And until they pass away from pain, may I also be the source of life. May I be the source of life for all the realms 
of varied beings that reach unto the ends of space. I am a mother, and that's a tall order. I also think it's an incredible spiritual invitation. How can you be the source of life for me in this moment? Whether we've met in person or now, we're connecting to one another and we are connected to one another. That's how I feel anyway. When during the period of meditation, I did switch my Zoom to gallery mode and y'all were taking up four monitor screens for pages or screens on the computer that I'm on. And I scrolled through and I read every one of your names that you have listed. If your camera was on, I looked at your faces. I looked into your spaces. Thank you for inviting us into each other's spaces. And I, as I did that, I did loving kindness meditation for you. That's my practice. Therefore, I am connecting to you. And even though we are not breathing the same air as we would be if we were in the same room, I believe we're still connecting, you and I, through, according to our abilities, seeing one another if we are sighted people, hearing one another if we have the ability to hear, being together, and it is this vital connection that is part of a greater web of vital connections that literally is keeping me alive at this moment. I was very impressed last August, I think it was August 28 in the year 2020, when the online several day black national convention from the movement for black lives occurred online and there was a very upfront invitation to center black people with disabilities. So I was really impressed. I was very encouraged. And it lifted my spirits to see that invitation. I want to be very clear that I understand that what I'm saying in all of its details might strike people, some people as frightening or depressing or overwhelming. So I apologize if that is the case. And also, I wish to state that I do not know, and I'm not in any way in control of your actions and your behaviors, if you are doing this contemplation with me of how we take refuge and how we might make refuge. These are not meant to be abstract Buddhist philosophical things. I'm really talking about where the heck do we go for safety and protection in these times? How can we create safety and protection for those who are most vulnerable in these times now? 
And if you do, if your mind does begin to kind of spin around thinking, oh my gosh, I invite you to scale it down. Being a ferry boat to beings who wish to reach the shore of non-suffering, that sounds like pretty big, it is. Purposefully so. And we have many ways to practice. So I'm going to share one with you, which you may already do. Um, I like visual aids. So I have some simple visual aids and I will describe them if you're not able to see them. So here I have a way to construct our ferry boat. And you can have like a, um, a index card. This is a postcard with a poem on it that my friend Dan Brewer, who puts out a series of poems by mail called Mail a Poem, and he sends them out to his friends and people who subscribe. And um, he wants to do this in part because then postal workers might read the poems en route. That's his subversive way of spreading beautiful poems. So anyway, here's a mail a poem. It's a card. And here's my other part of my ferry boat. And this is a drinking glass from the kitchen. How is this a ferry boat? Well, in this household, we practice ahimsa, A-H-I-M-S-A. That means non-harm, non-violence um, with spiders. We're very, very fond of our spider friends and we're grateful to them. I'm a little bit arachnophobic. It's not like I'm like, oh my gosh, I love looking at that spider. I feel a little queasy. I'll just be, um, I'll be clear about that. And I really appreciate spiders. They're very beneficial creatures as I understand it. So here we have a stand-in for a spider. This is a little ocean pebble with our spider. And if um, we see a spider that's dancing around or perched somewhere, we can get into range of the spider moving gently. What we can do, of course, is say this is against a surface of a wall, but you can take our ferry boat, spider ferry boat, and gently lower it over the spider, the mini being, and then we can slide in our other part of our ferry boat and then we've got our ferry boat and we cross the river of danger spider danger and gently take spider outside and place spider on in a good place where the spider can hopefully live freely and do well so here we've got the very, very affordable and accessible spider ferry boat. And you can extrapolate from that to other ways in which you can be a boat, a bridge, and a passage, a protector to those without protection, and a leader to those who journey, if this is a challenge and a practice that you'd like to take up and join me. Although I know and I recognize that there is understandable diversity of belief 
on point of view. In my world, the COVID-19 vaccinations are also a way in which if we receive them, we are offering refuge and protection to people in our communities. And that is following the principle of what's called herd immunity, of raising the level of and percentage in any community and population of those who have received the vaccinations with the intention of creating uh, more protection from the virus to for everyone. And once again, I do recognize there are different points of view. I'm speaking for myself. I also wish to state that protection at its highest level is joined with wisdom and liberation. Behaviors and actions of protection may consist of empowering others through mentoring and helping to create communities and structures, uh, structures of community self-determination. It's said sometimes that the golden rule is um, doing unto others as we wish to have done to ourselves. And I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. So we say, yeah, the golden rule is nice. However, there is a better one, and that's the platinum rule. And the platinum rule is consulting other people and saying, what is it that you wish? What is it that you need? And can I be of service to you? So once again, self-determination, community self-determination, not, um, not protecting in the sense of condescending and not protecting in the sense of, I know what's best for you to be safe. So in other words, practicing protection and leadership in wise and respectful ways. My original field before I went into Buddhist practice, and I do have a background in both monastic and lay practice. My background is I was trained as a poet. And one of my favorite poems by the great English poet William Blake, who published this in 1794, a poem called The Human Abstract. And William Blake said, pity would be no more if we did not make somebody poor. Pity would be no more. Pity would not exist. We wouldn't have to pity anybody if we did not make somebody poor. So there he's, I think, referring to structural oppression, to poverty that it doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's created by the inequitable distribution of power and wealth. We would have no need of pity if we did not make somebody poor, says the poet. And all of these challenges are huge. I acknowledge that. We may try to do what cannot be done. 
The vows that I have taken are bodhisattva vows expressed in Shanti Deva's prayer. Essentially impossible. Why? Because these vows, when we hold them with warmth and goodness of heart, are practices of non-attachment to goal, of doing our best right now, and then letting go of outcome and the need to control. In other words, they're really hard practices. And taken up by thousands and thousands of people. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, the 14th Dalai Lama, these are his vows. They're my vows, they're the vows of the Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, one of the great teachers of our time. T-H-I-C-H-N-H-A-T-H-A-N-H. And um, just many people of all ages. These are vows to offer refuge, safety, and protection, to be of help, that need to be informed with wisdom. There was a story going around on the internet some months ago or last year that was I thought was very good. And it said that there, um, once upon a time, there were two people standing next to a stream, like a big one. Uh, kind of a, like a maybe a small river and suddenly they hear all this screaming and they see to their horror that there are these children bobbing in the waves and on the current being washed down street downstream screaming help us help us so one person immediately leaps into the river and starts grabbing children and and pulling them back to the side of the river and the other one begins running away so the person number one says, what the heck are you doing? Come, come, help me, help me, help me save these children. And the second person says, I'm running upstream and upriver because I want to find out who's throwing these kids into the water and stop them. We need to look at the roots of suffering. We need to look at the sources and the origins of oppression in any form in order to begin to dismantle and to, 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 to dismantle these structures of oppression and create the conditions for liberation, for happiness, for just a decent way of life, for more people, and not to forget the non-human beings as well. So I'll close this by again asking, if you'd like to ask yourself every day, how and in whom and in what? Am I taking refuge today? Where am I going for protection and to feel safe enough? 
So how and where am I taking refuge? And then the second part of that question is, how and am I making refuge? Taking refuge and making refuge. How am I making refuge for other beings today? If you like, I invite you to join me in this great practice. It is a practice of our times. I believe it is a practice that is sorely needed to create the world in which we want to live. So thank you so, so much for your kind attention. Deep bow and let us say goodbye until we meet again. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.